What's up, church planters and church planting enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you are just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Doing good, man. We've all, the Hess, it's that time of year, the Hess family is starting to battle some sickness. Oh, man. That's yeah. That's what happens yeah. when we got four kids. It does. You know, they kind of just spread it all around. But yeah. it's been, um, Erica got hit with it and she's kind of down right now. But yeah, it's kind of been, it started with our, our three-year-old cadence and she kind of spreads it. Yeah. You know. Those three-year-olds. Those three-year-olds. She's pretty cute, though. She is pretty cute. She's worth it. She's worth she's, having around, She's right? definitely worth it, man. Yeah, yeah. Erica texted me. I was in some meetings the other day, and she texted me. She said, hey, Cadence needs some underwear. If you're going to Walmart, stop and get her some, you know? And so she's like, get her some fun ones or whatever. And so I got her these Paw Patrol, you know, panties, this little little kid. And, and so I go in there, and like I... I, I I put them behind my uh, coat, you know, and, and I was like, Cadence, daddy has a surprise for you. <laughs> and so I was like, close your eyes. And she, she's like smiling, like squinting her eyes. And she opens, she's like, oh, daddy, Paw Patrol panties. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was so pumped, man, for her Paw Patrol underwear. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, she's like going around talking about them. And trying to show him to me, he's pulled down. I said, no, 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 we don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, yeah. Three-year-olds, man. She's a oh, blast. She's so much fun. Never a dull moment. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, we don't have any kids yet. We've just got a dog and a cat. I don't even know how much our listeners actually know about our personal lives. Some of them know us personally, yeah. but some of them don't know much at all. So, yeah, you have yeah. two pets. I've got two pets. We've got a dog and a cat. Um, our dog is named Timbit. He's named after a, a donut hole at Tim Hortons, which is a, yeah. a very popular coffee slash donut place here. Very popular. They're spreading all across the states, too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. they are. Sorry. Good old even, Timmy's. Even in the South. Uh, I heard that one. They're hitting Kentucky now. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've seen them in, like, Southern Ohio before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whenever we drive down. Yeah. They're going to be driving down. Uh, we're going down to Pennsylvania uh, this next week. Jen's for, family's from there. Yeah. Yeah. For Jen's Thanksgiving. A, Jen used to be a Quaker. No, she did not. No, oh, she did. Oh, my no, bad. My no, bad. No, you, that's, she, you she's that just wrong. so godly. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess that by the time this episode comes out, it will have already Thanksgiving will have passed already. American Thanksgiving. Uh, American Thanksgiving. We celebrated Thanksgiving here like a, over a month ago. Yep. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Canadian Thanksgiving's a little bit earlier. October tenth. Yeah. But uh. So yeah. But we're gonna be heading for Thanksgiving week. We're driving down to Pennsylvania. So. That'll be that'll be fun. What are you guys doing for? Are you doing anything for American Thanksgiving up here in Canada? No, probably we we might. Yeah, we'll probably cook. Um, we'll probably cook, but but no, we we probably won't. We we haven't. So you're not patriotic anymore? Oh, of course. Yeah, you, you renounced your United States citizenship. Dude, I got American tattoo, a flag tattooed on my back. What are you, you really? About? No, of course. I was I like, don't. I do. You yeah, know. I know you do. Yeah. I know you. I do. really do. Yeah, Jared really does. Jared really does. With a giant eagle. Yeah, had a, I had a guy um, uh, when I when I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, had a had a friend who uh, had a giant uh, American eagle tattooed across his back, mm -hmm. and when he lift like did his arms, you know, yep. like the wings were on the back of his triceps mm -hmm. and stuff. It was pretty wicked. And it said Semper Fidelis on the eagle and everything like that. And then he got kicked out for smoking weed. Yeah. So it's like, Daddy, what's that tattoo on your back all about? That's a dark moment in my life, son. I don't, <laughs> don't want to talk about that. Right? That's like, I always yep. think about that. That's pretty yep. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You got that, got that huge tattoo on your back. No, we won't. Uh, we'll, we'll cook. We haven't been down. We went to the States last year for Thanksgiving because we were on sabbatical. Mm -hmm. That was the first Thanksgiving we'd celebrated in the States since. Uh, we moved here in wow. 2012. Well, so that was pretty special. Yeah. yeah, it's tougher for you guys to kind of move around with with four kids. Uh, it's the more difficult to travel, I suppose. Yeah, man. It's like when we when we when we pull into hotels, I feel like you know we're the we're the Duggars. You know, they, those 21 kids and yeah, counting or whatever they might be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like that. But no, it's yeah, it's it's always interesting here when we go out in public because people are. <laughs> I said go out in public like we're circus freaks. But uh you know it's Whenever we leave the compound 
Oh, dude. Shout out to all our listeners in Waco, Texas. Shout out, uh, shout out to all our <laughs> listeners who are starting cults. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, this episode went off the rails quick. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but when we when we go out and stuff, people are, uh, you know, because here people do not have large families, like n- many kids at all. Right. You might have a few, um, but if people are like, this lady one day, she's like, are all these your kids? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no. I'll tell you a quick story, a funny story. Erica's leading this alpha group, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so Jermaine, who's our, Jermaine Wall, who's one of our church planning residents in the fellowships, they live just down the road from you guys actually right here in yep. South Oshawa. Uh, but he's planting in North Oshawa and because um, he wants to follow the money. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, he does. But, but he's <laughs> a paper chaser. Yeah. He said, he said, he said, he told me literally on his application, God's everywhere. I'm going where the money is. No, I'm joking. He didn't say that. But, um, so his wife, Leah, uh, Erica, my wife disciples, and, and she's apprenticing her how to lead an alpha group. And so they do it together mm-hmm. and they do it at our house. So I got to take all the kids out on Monday morning. You know, we go to this McDonald's and sometimes we meet Jermaine there with all his kids. And so, oh, wow. yeah. And so they have three children and so he's got his three. I got our three, our fourth one, Sienna was at gymnastics. So there's six kids and they're playing and eating and stuff. And then Jermaine and I are sitting there and this lady comes up to us and says, are these all your kids? And I said, yes, ma'am. Like that. And she's like, Oh, they're so cute. And I didn't even think about it, but it's like Jermaine and I are there with our six kids. And so I'm like, Oh yeah, I probably should have clarified that for, Mm -hmm. but it's all good. It's all good. It's yeah, all good. that's a normal thing in in, uh, in Toronto. Yep, pretty so pretty normative. Nobody would have been surprised. So. No, so. but yeah, but anyways, so you guys would make a good couple. Stop it, <laughs> stop it. You're crossing the line now. Stop it. He does have a nice beard. Okay, what's our topic today? Okay. <laughs> what's our topic today? Okay, should we do away topic. with the lead pastor role? Planting with the APES model. Can you guys tell that Matt is reading that off of a piece of paper? He is. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be talking about... Gonna, I better stay in my lane. Yeah, you should stay in your lane. Yeah, man. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about um, whether we should maybe think about doing away with the lead pastor role. And we're going to be specifically talking about planting Scandalous. churches with APES teams. And... Um, so when we talk about team church planting, that's kind of a, a popular phrase over the last few years, and it gets talked about a lot. But the kind of team church planting that I'm thinking of uh, and that we're talking about here is not probably the type of church planting that people typically say. I think when people, like a lot of people uh, would agree that we should plant churches with teams, Um but typically what that means is that what they mean by that is a launch team yeah. where you would have a, a lead planter who's like the guy in charge. And then you've got a bunch of people who are, uh, you know, on his team, uh, filling different volunteer roles. Like, you know, whether somebody's going to be like, you know, you know, the kids, you know, leader and somebody's going to be the worship leader, yeah. et cetera. So you're going to have small group leaders, stuff like that. Right. But they're all, but there's a clear hierarchical structure yeah um whether or not that's um explicit in your um in in your beliefs you know i think that uh you know it ends up functionally happening that way even if we say that like oh you know we believe in a plurality of eldership the reality is is that there's a big kahuna and it's usually the lead church planter yeah and that's kind of how it works and so um the reason i wanted to talk about this yeah you haven't heard that one in a while have you (laughs) It's the last episode you said that really grinds my gears, and then you said Big Kahuna just now. So I'm, you're channeling like your your grandfather into you or something. That's my dad. You're channeling your dad. <laughs> that would yeah. be my dad. Yeah, that's why the I learned Big, Big Kahuna. Kahuna. Actually, grind my gears. I think was probably from. That really grinds my gears. <laughs> that was from Family Guy. I used to watch that show back when I was a heathen. You're so depraved. I know. So um, half of our planners are like I love that show. Half our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you need, and that's in, why the spirit's not moving in your you're in, life. You're in sin, so you need something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Um, <laughs> so Kevin Azell, uh, he's the president of the North American he's Mission the Board. Kahuna, Shout the out Kevin Azell. I know Shout he's out. a faithful listener to In the Trenches. <laughs> <laughs> he's the big Kahuna of the, of the Sin he's, Network. He's, he's the, he's the very big Kahuna. 
But uh, so he recently said in his report to the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, the 2018 Southern Baptist Convention uh, that there is a shortage of qualified church planters. Mm. Um, and it, basically what's happening is that the pace of church planters who are applying has started to slow significantly. Church planting became like a really hot topic, you know, probably a little over 10 years ago, and it started becoming a fad, and like everybody's doing it. And, you know, like Ed Stetzer, like, doing it. you know, became like the man, and, you know, and he's and always been this. the man. Well, yeah, yes. Uh, he's also a faithful listener. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. We need to have him on. I don't think he does. Yeah, we should have him yeah. on. That'd be cool if Ed Stetzer would come on. Yeah. I enjoy talking to him, um, but I was uh, actually reading a couple of articles by him because I'm I'm working on a on a, a research paper right now, and that's where I found some of this this stuff, and it's what sparked this idea for this uh, episode. But you know, it really stuck out to me when I when I heard that quote from Kevin Izell, uh because you know I, I saw him tweet about it. Uh, I think around the time that the convention was taking place as well, yeah. he basically said something along the lines of like, "We need more planters," and there's been a, a really a, a heightened sense of urgency to find indigenous church planters because yeah. you know from the harvest, yeah, because uh, we're it's almost kind of like, for lack of a better term, we're running out, you yeah. know, of qualified church planters yeah. that are just uh, out and about, and the the uh, the pace of planters who are applying and and the pace of church plants getting started, at least in the Send network, is not keeping up with population growth and the decreasing uh, the closing number of churches yeah. uh, that we've got. So, like uh, in 2016. There was about 750 churches started by the SBC. Yeah. Uh, and we need 1,200 plus a year just to keep up. Because like, so many are closing their doors every year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and because of population increase. Yes. So, like, just to keep up with the pace, we need 1,200. And that's that's just like treading water and yeah. keeping our head above water. Yeah. Uh, that's not really making much of a dent in lostness. So, um, there's... You know, like I said, there's a new emphasis on raising up indigenous planters, which is good. But I wonder if maybe we're approaching this whole thing the wrong way yeah. uh, in some ways. Um, so like the the lead pastor model, right? Like if I could summarize the way that typically churches get started right now, it's that a guy and his wife, they raise money. Yeah. They start recruiting people to yeah. join them. Yeah. Uh, they start a church functioning. Are you alive? Join my core team. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And even, but it, not everybody, even missionally minded guys that really want to reach the yeah, harvest and stuff like true. that, they, they still start like that and they might be a part of a network and they're getting funded from the network. Yes. They might even be bivocational. Yeah. They could even be a house church model. Yeah. But they're, again, the your favorite phrase, the big kahuna, right? Yes. And so um, they, they start functioning as the CEO and most of the time they end up staying and pastoring that church plant for a long time. That's been the expectation Right. For a while. Um, and I think that we simply take for granted today that that's how things are. But there are a growing number of voices uh, that, that are growing increasingly loud saying that maybe that's not the best way to do yeah. things. Yeah. Um, Peyton Jones, Alan Hirsch, uh, Brad Briscoe, Jeff Christopherson. Jeff Christopherson, and others are all pounding the table for APEST. Yeah. Um, and when you look at how churches were planted in Acts, it certainly has differences from the way that we're doing it here. Yeah. So we'll get into APES here in just a second, but Matt, I, I guess I want to start off by asking you, what are the drawbacks to the lead pastor, uh, top heavy leadership approach? Well, I think one of the, one of the big things is, is that it's, it's centered around a, a person mm -hmm. and, um, it's hard for me, you know, because you, you, God has his hand on certain people throughout history and you see it, you know what I mean? Like Charles Spurgeon and uh, Billy Graham and John Wesley and George Whitfield, all these men and, and women, of course. And you see this and you're like, man, God's moving through these people. And so God used them in a powerful way, in a mighty way. Uh, but when we talk about movement, when we talk about church planning, I think one of the biggest things is it's centered around typically one person that, that guy, we, we look for like the, the mythical, you know, fivefold church planner, you know, he can cast vision, he can preach the gospel, he, he's a prayer warrior, he's an intercessor, you know, he's an organizer, he's an administrator. He's, he's a unicorn. He's a unicorn or a Bigfoot, you know, he doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so we were seeing a lot of burnout in church planning as well mm -hmm. because the expectations are, are on that one guy. Yeah. And so to what we're talking about today, what if that guy, and I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of us, 
but what if that guy was released more to do what his primary giftings are? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, I would say just to get us rolling here, that would be one of the biggest drawbacks is that it's centered too much around a personality type Mm -hmm. versus a team. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I think that in, um, maybe we should just go ahead and like explain really quick what APEST is. Okay. So it comes from Ephesians 4, 11 mm-hmm. and 12, where Paul um, says um, in, in verse seven of Ephesians four, it says that, that Christ gave uh, uh, gifts to the church. Uh, and then it says in verse 11, that he gave the apostles, the, pro- the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip yeah. the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Right. And so uh, when we say APES, that's just an acronym that stands for Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it clearly teaches there in Ephesians 4 that um, all five of those roles are uh, gifts given, not gifts in the terms of like speaking in tongues as a gift or, or teaching as a gift or something like that. This, these gifts are people. Right. Uh, these are people gifts that, get, that Jesus has given to the church. And um, they all... Uh, function in different capacities and they yeah. have different wirings, so to speak. They're wired uh, in different ways. Uh, Alan Hirsch uh, wrote a book called 5Q mm. and he he makes the case of 5Q that he believes that, that the apest is latent in the church, meaning that everybody is bent in one of those one ways, of yeah. whether they're in leadership or not. Yeah. Um, but whether you agree with that or not, I would say that for sure uh, leadership uh, in the church, uh, needs to, uh, reflect all five uh, yeah. of those, um, uh, wirings, right? Because yeah. they're not offices. Uh, there's only two offices. There's right. deacon and elder, uh, but they're, but they're five different wirings, right? Yeah. So what you're talking about is what if you've got a guy who's an apostolic mm-hmm. bent guy and apostle just means sent out one yeah. or missionary. And so don't get too caught up in the terminology. No. People are like, Oh, these are you know, people, and the reason why, and I, and I think we should say this too before we jump into it. Mm-hmm. I think so many reasons why we haven't planted churches like this is because we say, well, the, the office of apostle. I mean, those those guys, they're the ones that saw the ministry of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't exist no more, and mm-hmm. so we get caught. We're not. We're saying apostolic, mm-hmm. not capital A. Yeah. You know, but but yes, yeah, sent out ones, and so to 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 understand what each of those five means mm-hmm. is really valuable, really important, yeah. and. We can talk about that another day, but yep. but primarily, so to to your point, you're saying if if a guy's apostolic, like mm-hmm. that personality, mm-hmm. he's got to be starting things, he's got to be moving along, yep. he's got to be empowering people, inspiring people, motivating people, mm-hmm. and yep. get out of dodge. Yep. As a gener as a generality, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, or apes, right? We yeah. call them tend to they want to expand outward, and shepherds and teachers want to expand. Uh, downward basically so they want to grow in depth and apes want to grow in breadth right they want to reach new territory capture new territory for the kingdom of god uh paul uh was the quintessential apostle in that he you know was constantly looking for places where christ had not been named right yeah um and we've had peyton you can go and listen to our episode that we uh where we interviewed peyton jones several months ago and he talked about the different types of apostles there's apostles that send and apostles that go Mm -hmm. that's a really good episode if you haven't heard it go check it out but um yeah so but what i think what happens is that you know pretty clearly is that we've got churches uh most of our churches are led uh, in a, a CEO type way, in a hierarchical type way, by shepherd teacher types, um, and they tend to lots of them do a good job of discipleship, and they do a good job of of teaching and shepherding, um, but they are not really very missional. Uh, yeah. The extent of their mission is to like give money to a missionary, and they may support missions. Mm-hmm. They may they may they may inspire their church to do that, mm-hmm. uh, but they themselves struggle in that area. Yep, yeah. I think. So we're talking about the drawbacks to the lead pastor, top heavy leadership approach where you've got a single guy, you mm-hmm. know, who's really kind of calling the shots. Um, kind of like you said, number one, you've got a guy who's gifted in a certain way. So if he's a <clears throat> shepherd, for example, well, then everything that that church does is going to be biased towards 
what a shepherd would do, right? Yeah. You're not going to have uh, an apostle type to balance them out, an evangelistic type. The church is going to tend to be look inward. If you have a church led by an apostolic type of guy, they're going to constantly go in and doing new things, but nobody's going to be checking on the condition of the flock. Right. Shepherding's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, there's not going to be very much depth in the teaching. So both of those are, are equally damaging. Um, yeah. And I think there's three main things when it comes to the drawbacks, though, of a top-heavy approach, and that's this. It costs too much money too much time and too much talent. Mm. They require too much money, too much yeah. time and too much talent, right? Um, <clears throat> money wise, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, got to pay, got to pay a guy's salary. Yeah. Very few uh, in, in this model are, are going to be uh, co-vocational. Yep. Uh, it's, you're going to, you're doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You're, you're having a lot of responsibilities. Yep. So you, you got to commit the majority of your time mm-hmm. to the church. Yep. And then what happens when the church grows? Well, you need to hire more people. Got to hire pay. an associate pastor because you because nobody else in the church is really doing. They're all relegated to the sidelines. So right. you need to have paid staff to do the work. Yeah, right. So that's yeah. what we see all the time. I yeah. see it all the time. Yeah. Um, number one, it requires too much time um, because there's a lack of involvement from the rest of the saints. Um, they're kind of watching the professionals mm. um, add people here and there, and you know they shuffle sheep amongst churches. Uh, and they battle over the small percentage of saved people in their context. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, there, there's too much time that's required because yeah. there's a few people doing all the work yeah. and everybody else is watching them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very difficult to multiply that way and to actually like reach uh, everybody with the gospel in a community. Yeah. yeah. And then too much talent. Let's be real. When you're trying to plant churches with this type of approach, there's not very many people that can do it. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a model where a guy has to be, a guy has to be trained first of all. Most 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 of the time, seminary trained is mm-hmm. what I mean by trained. Mm-hmm. You know, he has to have a certain amount of experience, um, understand how to run staff meetings, understand how to lead a team, all those kinds of things that just add up more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And so the so the uh, the talent is huge. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I agree with what. Kevin is saying, you know, we do have a shortage of church planners. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it, we don't need to argue that. Like that's true. Yep. But it's also, do we need to lower the bar on who can plant a church mm-hmm. if we look at this model? Mm-hmm. And maybe we we have a great shortage because we we say, well, this is who you have to aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that guy, then you really can't plant a church. Yep. And I think that's what we're getting yeah. at. Well, and, and let's be clear. If you're going to keep, if we want to plant churches the way we've been planting churches, then you do need to be that type of guy. Yeah. You, you can't plant a church like we've been planting churches if no. you don't have a certain skill set. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, it, not, not very many people can do it and let, and, and not to mention, not, here's what compounds the problem. Then you stack on top of that, the, the expectation that once a guy plants, he needs to stay. So most guys that have the capacity to do this are usually, you know, apostolically bent and they're the type of guys that want to go in and take new territory. They're yeah. the guys that can go in and see something that's not there yet and they can envision it and they can communicate that vision to others and they can inspire others to yeah. come and join them. But when we expect those guys to just stay there and become a pastor, which is what they're not, we're taking another church planter out of the game. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so who could be out there continuing to plant churches, yeah. but now he's not, he's pastoring yeah. And a lot of times he's frustrated as he's pastoring. Yeah, the guy, expectation. guys grow tired. They grow weary because they're not yep. working in their gift set anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of joy in the beginning stages because it's like, oh, we're starting something new. And you feel like, man, this is this is what I'm called to do. You know, this is this is what I've been missing out on and stuff. And then you continue and you're like, you get to the point where you say, this isn't so much fun anymore. Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, or why why can't I? why am I not very good at getting our people mature or whatever it might be? And then you realize like, Oh, maybe that's why, (laughs) you know? And and so, but a lot of guys don't understand these principles. And so they're kind of dying, drying up, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. I, um, I read a statistic when I was doing some, some research for this and it was by, it was in a, like some report called the state of church planning in the United States. Um, and it was done by Ed Stetzer and, uh, Warren Bird. And here's a quote from it. Uh, it says that 88.3% of church planters involved in fast-growing church plants were a part of a church planting team. Only 11.5% of church planters involved in struggling church plants had a church planting team. Mm. That's astounding. Yeah, that is. That, I mean, that's very telling to me right there. Yeah. 
Very telling. Because we weren't meant to do it alone. Nope. Yep. You know, and, and then I think the distinguishment, I think distinguishing the difference between what we said, planting with a team and then empowering that team mm-hmm. to do the things that the primary guy, whatever you want to call him, lead pastor, whatever. So it's, go ahead and talk about that. What What is that? What does the difference look like, Matt? Well, I think if you have a team, like, so instead of saying like, oh, this is our nursery, or this is our children's director, this is our guest services director, this is our operations leader, whatever it might be, you start to help them see through these different lens. And then as people join your core team, you start to help them see, like, for example, we have a lady at, at Fellowship Pickering who is shepherd bent. Like mm-hmm. she, she is constantly checking in like on the sick and the people and she'll update our elder team and say, Hey, you know, like there's this. And like, that's, I love that. I mm-hmm. value that. I don't have to be doing that. I don't have to be the one. Cause I, I, I'm not bent that way. I shepherd our leaders. Well, I like to think so anyways, I shepherd our church planners. Well, but I'm not the guy, I'm not the best guy that's going to like check up on people and, but they need to be checked up on. Mm-hmm. They need the care. They need the love. And so the difference when you start with that mentality is you empower that lady from the very beginning. Yep. Hey, um, you know, uh, Susan, you're going to be the lady who this lady's name is not Susan, but Susan, you're going to be the lady. You're going to be the one who helps us do shepherding really well. Mm-hmm. And she gets excited about it. Yep. She, she feels on mission about it. And a lot of this is maturity because younger apostle type, apostolic types, they're like, well, Susan just wants to check in on the people in the hospital all the time. She doesn't want to be on mission. <laughs> well, hey, knucklehead, like, can you not see that this is how God's wired her? Mm-hmm. And her going to the hospital is actually on mission. She's actually mm-hmm. being on mission. Mm-hmm. And it's also empowering you to mm-hmm. be on mission. Mm-hmm. But we don't look through those lens. Good, and so from the very beginning, we say, yes, like, you know, <laughs> We, we see we see how people are gifted and how some people are task driven mm-hmm. some people you know are um because their their fire gets lit by exchanging email or or uh, or replying back to email or setting up systems and stuff like that those things don't light my fire at all but from the very beginning not just having a team here's the thing not just having a team to get jobs done. It's it's like what Mac Lake has been teaching us, you know, here in Toronto. Like we're not just trying to get people to turn our ministry widgets. Like it's getting them onto mission. Mm-hmm. And we're so when you start with this the, the apest idealism, it's not it's not well, okay, I need you to watch the babies. I need you to run the slides. I need you to do this. It's how do those tasks fit within the apest framework? Yep. And that's the difference. Yeah. And then, and then allowing people just to do the things that they're gifted in. Mm-hmm. And we all have to do some things. Sometimes we're not gifted. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Yep. If you got six kids, you need to take a turn in the nursery. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, God help me. If I hear another person say, I'm not called to the kids ministry. You got 13 kids. You need to be called back there at least once a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everybody's called to put up chairs every now and again in church planning. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think that you've also got to, you know, empower, you've got to empower people, but then you've got to, to let them go, you know, like you've yeah. got to kind of get your grubby little hands out of there and get out of the way and let people do what they're good at. You know what I mean? Get Which your is... grubby little hands. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, you know, some things I wrote down here. We're talking about what it would look like to plant with, with APES teams. Um, you and I have had a couple of brief conversations about this, Matt, but I, I'm becoming convinced that this is if this is an important step to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that we've got to really move away from this lead pastor tag yeah. uh, or, or, you know, uh, uh, slapping that title onto somebody because the reality is, is that, um, you know, there are connotations that come with that. Yeah. And essentially you're going to be looked at as the, the owner, as the boss, yeah. as the CEO, whenever, uh, you have that, you know, title and not like, I'll be like, 
our church started that way. You know, yeah. and this has been something that's kind of evolved as yeah. we've, you know, we're trying to, to shift things, yeah. uh, but it's not easy. Once you started a certain way, once you yeah. started your church in a certain way, it's very, very difficult to, to, to change course and to shift the thinking of Absolutely. your people. I, um, I, I mean, you know, and our listeners should say that, like we, we, our entire network have started churches with this model, yep. like the fellowships up here on the East end of Toronto. And so, uh, Fellowship Pickering started that. Fellowship Boston started that. Rouge Parker started that. Um, other churches were starting is starting like that. And so we're trying to course correct. Yep. You know what I mean. And the reason why we're doing that is a plethora of reasons, but but primarily, um, it's because it's a lot of weight on one person, mm-hmm. and it's not. And 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 I don't know if, um. Uh, you just look at the landscape mm-hmm. at the church. I mean, how many how many pastors are we hearing about taking their own life, yep. struggling with depression? Mm. I just don't believe that's God's will no. for the ministry. No. You know, it's like, well, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't ever hear Jesus talk like that. <clears throat> like he he, yeah, he was betrayed and all those things. And he knows what it is to be diff- have difficulties in ministry. But like, I think we should find joy mm-hmm. in, in, in this calling. Yep. And I think this is a big part of it. Yep. And we talk about church planning, a guy goes in and he's like, I got to get this thing up and running. I got to do this and I got to do that. And say he, he is, and he does get things up and running, but he's, he's apostolic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why, why am I getting so frustrated now that we've got it up and running? I feel like, you know, we're done. Or then the the, the other side, you know, a guy's a shepherd teacher. And I've seen this so many times. A guy comes in, he's a shepherd teacher. He cannot get it going. Mm-hmm. He cannot get it running. And people are like, how we would play anyways, from the harvest. Yep. And, 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 you know, people are, and you got partners now. So, hey, man, when's that church starting? You know, well, I'm really pouring into these three people. We're going deep into the book of Revelation. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got them almost all with the preacher view now or whatever might be your bent. And it's just like, mm, something's wrong here. Mm. You know what I mean? So what if you take both those scenarios? What if you take those two guys and you put them together? Put their families together. You get in the harvest. You let the apostolic guy motivate the shepherd teacher you let the shepherd teacher motivate the apostolic guy mm-hmm. and you start reaching lost people and they have responsibilities yep. and they know their lanes yep. and they empower the other to run their lanes. And then you build it yeah. out here. And here's why it's not happening very much. Yeah. Because we're uh co-vocational and bivocational ministry are still not nearly as prevalent enough. So yeah. I was, uh, I was talking with Brett Porter, uh, shout out BP. Yeah. Uh, he's the Send city missionary in Toronto yeah. for the Send network. And, um, He's done a lot of thinking about this stuff as well, mm-hmm. and um, we were we were chatting a little bit about it, and and uh, I was getting picking his brain for some of this research, and he told me that um, you know he thinks that that all of our systems and our structures are set up for what we're currently getting, you yeah. know, basically, and that we're just going to take a radical shift mm-hmm. uh, to change things, and he said that he's convinced that the, that the future of the church is going to have to be co-vocational yeah. and bivocational if we're going to make this happen. Because if you're trying to fully fund, you know, an apostle type and an evangelist type and a shepherd teacher type, you know, like even just three yeah. out of the five for your team, well, it's not feasible, right? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't fully fund that many families yeah. to be on a church planning team. It just, it's not realistic. No, man, you know, and I don't want to jump ahead of where we're going in this conversation, but, um, but I'll tell you one of the re- big reasons why we don't see this model. It's ego. Yeah. That's a big, that, I, I would say that would probably be the chief of reasons. Mm. Number one and number two is we don't celebrate co-vocational planners enough. And I love where we're going in our tribe with the Sin Network and Southern Baptist North American Mission Board. Because um, we're starting to teach guys, like, stop quitting your jobs. Mm-hmm. Stop even using that language. Mm-hmm. God doesn't operate that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, so, but, but, so co-vocationalism is huge. I agree. But secondly, these are egos mm-hmm. from, from, from day one, when you come into the kingdom of God, if you grew up in a place like Texas or Oklahoma or Tennessee or Arkansas or wherever, even if you grew up in a church somewhere outside of the Bible belt, you are taught 
to celebrate and look at one guy on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. I know churches that won't even come, uh, parishioners, they won't even come, members, they won't even go to the service if that guy's traveling or if that guy's out of town. If there's a guest preacher. If there's a guest preacher is what I'm trying to get yeah. at. Well, I'm, you know, I know churches that won't announce their guest preachers because they're afraid it will deter members. That's wrong. Yep. There's something wrong with that system. Mm-hmm. We've and 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 here's the here here's the here's the part I would challenge us to begin to think of, myself included, you included. Do we see that and say that's wrong, or do we actually kind of like it? <laughs> and I think if we're being honest, we actually kind of like it. Guys like that they're the guy. Guys like that they're the primary ones. So it's going to take a lot of humility. It's going to take a lot of building the platform to let other people stand on. Mm. And you, yes, if you have preaching gifts, you need to be preaching the Bible. Um, but it's going to take a lot of that to to start to to combat some of this stuff. Yep. Yeah, I definitely would agree. Because we're man. just taught from an early stage. You know, maybe if you play all your cards right. You do all the th- all the things you're supposed to do, and you just mm-hmm. keep on, man. You're gonna pastor a mega church someday. Yep. And that's like the prize, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the carrot. Mm-hmm. And guys act like that's the grand achievement, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe that's God's will and His plan for your life, but maybe it's not. Yep. And maybe even some of those mega churches should be operating differently. Yep, I'd say so. I, you know, I look at our situation, right? So we. uh we planted a church in a um, city called Oshawa, Ontario, on the south end, and it's a it's a relatively poor area yeah. compared to the rest of the east end of the, of the yeah. Toronto area. Uh, it's got a lot of issues, right? There's yeah. a lot of brokenness here, a lot of crime yeah. and just drugs and stuff like that. And um, so uh, we've seen God do some some really cool things. But you know, I come I came up here from the states, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, because of that, I cannot be bivocational or co-vocational. I'm not. I can't get a job yeah. working somewhere else. I, I had to be, uh, you know, in the government's eyes, I can only work, quote unquote, for the church. So yeah. uh, that's the only place I can take a salary from. So uh, I'm full time, and yeah. I have to be full time. Uh, and one of the things that I've been going to recognize is that, like, I mean, if you're not if you're not a church of probably like 150 at least here, you can't support a full time pastor. That's going to be tough. No way. And yeah. This is hard soil. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is not the kind of place where you can throw up a sign and you'll have a hundred people yeah. come. Um, it is hard work. Yeah, just to see a few converts. Yeah, right? just yeah. to see people get saved. Uh, it's 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 not easy, mm-hmm. and you're um, you're probably not going to you know have yourself a church of two hundred. You know, after yeah. you know a couple of years. So realistically, we. We can't keep trying to plant churches like this if yeah. we want to actually multiply and reach this. There's That's 7 right. million people in the greater yeah. Toronto area. There's no way we're going to reach and plant churches like this yeah. because it's not sustainable. Let's be, I mean, like just get down to brass tacks. Like if the money runs dry coming from the States for me, yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. I can't even stay here. Yeah. And, and, and I, <laughs> think, I think there's a lot of our listeners who are in the same boat. Yeah. You know, if you're planting in, you know, Arizona or you're planting in New York or whatever, you know, and you're, you're, you're getting a lot of your resources primarily through the Bible belt yep. and through churches funding and, and, and planners and all those kinds of things. So yeah, the model has to change in my mind. Yep. It like where we're going in North America, it has to shift. Yep. It, 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 it's not like, well, maybe we can like kind of cr- fix some of this stuff a little bit here, a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I think we need drastic change. Yep. I think it's going to take, you know, and so well, let me ask you this. My question is like, so for the guys who are like the visionaries mm-hmm. and the guys who are like the the preachers, you know, guys are listening, thinking like, well, what what about me? Like, what do I do then? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the question that people are asking. Mm-hmm. I'm a lead guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does that look like? Sure. Well, if you're uh, already, I think that's a it's a different question d- depending upon whether you're already pastoring a pl- church you planted or whether you're getting ready to to plant a yeah. church. Um, if you're already pastoring a church that you've planted, uh, then I would say that, uh, first of all, uh, you need to start taking really practical steps to figure out how you can, uh, slowly but surely, uh, change the way you operate with your leadership. If you, yeah. uh, we have a plurality of elders. That's, yeah. that's our church government structure. Now, yeah. functionally, yeah. our people would probably like most of our members would tell you if you're you ask them, how's your How's your church structured? They say it's a plurality of elders. Yeah. They, they would no. They'd say the right thing yeah, theologically. Yeah. They'd say the right thing. But yeah. when it cut, 
how we actually operate, I guarantee yeah. you every single one of those, they look at Jared and they, well, Jared's the leader, Jared, yeah. Jared and Jen, my wife, Jared yeah. and Jen make the decisions because yeah. who does everybody come to for stuff? Yeah. It's us, right? That's They're right. always coming to us like, Oh, Jared and Jen will make that decision, whatever. And so like what we started doing is I've met with my elders and we're, yeah. we're running members meetings where we're all going to co-lead these members meetings, right? Yeah. Like we don't have like where I just run the show. Like I've got, you know, like Chris, one of my other elders, he runs, you know, part of it. Um, we're, you know, being intentional about letting our people see us make decisions together. Yeah. Uh, and then just very aggressively giving things away, yeah. you know, that we've been doing for the whole time. Like, Hey, we're yeah. not doing this anymore. Somebody who's yeah. going to do it. Cause it's not going to be me. It's not right. going to be Jen. Yeah. Who's going to do it. And Absolutely. I think you've just got to start being kind of ruthless with that. You just got to do it. You know, uh, that's the only way to kind of course correct. Yeah. You start to see that, uh, the things that you're doing or, uh, things that your wife is doing, like mm -hmm. there are other people that can do them mm -hmm. within the body. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, uh, changing, you know, now if you just change your title and you don't do anything else, it's obviously not going to make a difference, but it can help, you know, like yeah. maybe like if you call, if you know, your title on your website is like lead pastor or whatever, Maybe change that to like, you know, pastor of preaching or, you know, yeah. pastor of preaching and vision or something. And or pa um, to her, uh, pastor slash elder, teaching pastor slash yeah. elder, whatever. And, and give yourself the same title as your other elders. Yeah. Just because you're getting a salary right now doesn't mean that like all you, you know, all of a sudden you're a pastor and they're an elder. Like there's no difference in the Bible. Yeah. There's, it's one, that's one office, pastor, yeah. elder, shepherd. It's all the same thing. Yeah, so much of what, how we see these things. I mean, even listening to you talk, so much of these how we see this stuff is so from our North American yep. slant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, if you are getting ready to plant, here's a couple of things that I, that I'd say, like, yeah. uh, if, if you haven't planted yet, or maybe you're a church planter and you're like, like me, like, you know, you're and like Matt, like we're going to plant more churches. <laughs> like, yeah. like we're, we're not done. We're going to keep on planting yeah. churches. Cause that's what we are. A uh, couple of things. Number one, um, you know, aside from removing the lead pastor tag, I'd say be upfront about roles from the very start. Yeah. So like if you're an apostolically bent guy and you know that like you want to plant churches and you don't expect or feel like you're supposed to be the long-term pastor there, then you've got to say that. Absolutely. You, 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 like that's something that I'm learning yeah. the hard way yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like I didn't do that up front. Like well, because we, we, Here's the thing. If we go in, if you start a church and you plant as an apostolic guy and you, you think that it's, they're going to figure out eventually mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not just about me leading. You're silly. Mm -hmm. Like we made the same mistake. You know what I mean? We, you just, you don't, you only know what you know. You mm -hmm. don't know any better. And so if you're planting from the harvest, if you're starting with lost people, man, you're going to be their spiritual, your wife and you, like if you start like how we started, we just, it was just Eric and I, you know, pioneering a place. And so you, you're like the spiritual mother and father to these people. Mm -hmm. And so of course there's going to be a, like a close attachment to you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to say that from the very beginning, like we're not here forever. I think putting, uh, like term limits mm -hmm. on essentially how long you're going to be there, yep. whether it be 36 months, yep. three years, I think is a pretty good number, mm -hmm. you know, um, th in three years, like, but you, you, from day one, you lead your core team, you lead that APES team to pray for the long-term pastor. And and who knows, maybe the pastor is on that team. Yep. But, you know, you, so yeah, you have to say from the beginning, like, I'm not the guy forever. Mm -hmm. And that, that can be super help, helpful. Yeah, it can. Um, I, I think uh, in the same vein, like, if you know that, then, you know, when we uh, started Fellowship Oshawa, uh, we had a couple of guys that came from Fellowship Pickering yeah. that, that you guys sent out with us. Right. And they were on our our launch team, but they weren't on the team the way that we're talking about team right now. Like we 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 didn't know what we didn't know. And so it's not like, you know, like we learned this stuff after the fact. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But um like what we didn't do that we I wish we would have done and what we will do next time is uh, we didn't involve them in the decision making processes yeah. really like what basically what would happen is you know I would go and you know I'd I'd meet you know with with you or I'd be you know yeah. praying and you know and stuff like that working on things and I'd you know come up with ideas and plans on my own and yeah. vision and then I would take it to them at our core team meetings and go okay guys here's what we're going to do exactly bang 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 right laid out and they go oh okay boss yeah. you got it right yeah, like yeah. that's kind of how it works that's not 
No, that's not a piss. That's not a team. That's hey, that's hey, a that's a CEO. But you bring up a really good point though, because like we're both apostolic types, and so we, you know, and so people like us, you know, we bemoan the fact that like this how we're planning churches and stuff. But then, you know, I know for I know like for me. Like I'm pretty passionate about what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And like when I feel like I got a vision from the Lord, like uh, I, I feel like I God has gifted me to be able to get other people on that vision boat. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, the problem can be, and we see that in scripture. So mm-hmm. don't, don't our listeners, don't misunderstand me. That's not a bad thing. I don't want people to say like, no. oh, so that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's not a bad thing. We see it in the word of God. But, but what is bad is like the scenario you just explained. Mm-hmm. You're not giving people any buy-in, and if you're not gonna be around for very long, why are you not giving people buy-in? Mm. Yep. Why? So you, you're saying like, here's my plans, we're straight from the mouth of God <laughs> to to my ears, you know. So so here it is, mm-hmm. and then they say, and you know what? Deep down, maybe they don't agree with it. Maybe they maybe they're like, oh, you know what? I got a question. And what do you, what do we do mm-hmm. as soon as somebody says, oh, "I have a question," we get defensive. We get defensive. Oh, this is. I mean, I went up on the mountain, man, <laughs> and God gave me this on yeah. tablets, and you're qu- going to question it. Yeah. And then you know, because apostolic types are, are usually pretty aggressive, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Oh, um, never mind," yeah. <laughs> you know, and they just kind of like, yeah, and they're like, "All right, we're going to do." It. Okay, so you're on board now. Uh, yes, yeah. and then you you do it, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. Like you leave, and the vision was your vision Mm -hmm. and there has to be vision transfer. We can get over the talk about that another day, but they have to, we talked about this the other day. The only way you get people to, to own that vision is that if they have buy, they have involvement into that vision buying. So what would, so the question, so what would you do different now with those two guys? Cause those are two solid dudes. Yeah. So what would you have done differently? Cause they have a, they still do have a lot of leadership potential. Mm -hmm. So, um, what what could you have done differently in the past working with those guys? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we would have probably come together and said, okay, guys, we're going to start praying together. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. We would have started praying together. Yeah. And, at, and, and telling them, guys, I want you to begin to pray and uh, and really seek God on what he wants us, uh, how he wants to yeah. search our city. We would have started going out in the harvest together right yeah. away. Uh, I went out in the harvest a bunch uh, on my own, like me and my wife did, uh, and they would go some with us, but... Uh, we wouldn't really debrief it or anything. Um, I'd have them talk to different, you know, people in the community, and then yeah. we'd come together and go, "What are we hearing? What are we seeing? You know, like putting yeah. our finger on the pulse. What are you hearing from God? What are you seeing out in the community? Yeah. Now let's talk about like what what do we sense God wants to do, right? Yeah. Like what do yeah. we? Uh, what's our? You know, Will Mancini has the book Church Unique, right? Yeah. What's our church unique going to look like? What's our strategy yeah. going to look like? And we would. Uh, meet and actually decide those things together. Mm-hmm. And I would like take input from them and I, here's what I'm hearing from the Lord, but yeah. I want to hear what you're hearing because the reality is, is that they'd probably come up with something good that yeah. I'm, I hadn't thought of. But instead what happened is like I went and, and, and I came up with all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then I just brought it to them and yeah. they said, oh, okay, sounds good, pastor. <laughs> right. And yeah. that's, uh, it, you know, and you said, that it makes no sense for a guy who's apostolic and they know they're not going to be there long term, which is absolutely true. But it also makes no sense if you're a shepherd type and you're planting a church yeah. and you are going to plan on staying there long term. It still makes no sense for you to do it by yourself because oh, absolutely, you're not going to have like if unless you just want all that weight on your shoulders. Yeah, which isn't biblical either. Nope. I mean, you, you know, you, I think what we're talking about is involving people. Yeah. You know, involving people, not not operating in isolation right. when, with how you lead the church. Right. Yeah. From, and from the early and and yeah. and the earlier you can do that, the healthier and the better your church is going to yeah. be for that. And and involving people, not like they're a like they're a like they're a, a stakeholder, you know, in stock yeah. or something, yeah. where they just kind of like here, here's some stock, go away, yeah. let us run this thing, right? Yeah. Like that's not what we're talking about. No. Like like they're equal partners yeah. in this with you. Yeah. Um. You know, like they've got a controlling share. Yeah. And they're making decisions alongside you. Yeah. Um. And they've got you know along with the roles they've got. And so. at times, and at times, you know, um, be willing as the leader to say, you know what, I'm I I'm one of six or I'm one of five. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. Yep. But you have to be willing to do that to say, okay, you know, for the betterment of the kingdom, this church mm-hmm. movement, I'm going to put, I could in this instance overpower this group 
and do what I feel like is best, but I'm we're we're going to I'm going to yield and say mm-hmm. what you guys think is best. Yep. And of course if it's something stupid yeah. <laughs> and disastrous, then you say, guys, yeah, let's let's talk about this. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately the Holy Spirit will mm-hmm. will will do what, what needs to be done. Yep. Yeah. I, I think man, um just I think just the, uh, the 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 two things that I really walk away from with the APEST model is that it's interesting we're talking about this because I'm preaching on spiritual gifts on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, when we don't allow people to have input or to, to be involved with the direction of the church and all that kind of stuff, then ultimately we're, we're not getting the whole part of the body. Yep. The, the the body and, and Peyton Jones talks about, you know, the, the guy who's like a quadriplegic, mm-hmm. right. Which is a great example. If mm-hmm. we're just doing whatever the apostle mm-hmm. or the lead guy says yep. and um, involving everybody on in that decision-making and in that involvement in the beginning is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so uh, I, I think the good news is if you're, if you're planting still and if, you say like, I got to correct some of these things. Like there's some real practical things that you can do yeah. right away. Yeah. And if you haven't got to launch, there's still a ton of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're five years in, you're two years in and we're still learning. There's all kinds of ways you can auto, you know, you can correct some of these things. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, man, that's good stuff. We could obviously keep going on yeah. this. This is a, uh, you know, a topic that that we've been talking about and thinking about a lot, and I'm sure it's not the last time that we'll be we'll be talking about this. No. So, um, well, uh, we'll go ahead and and wrap it up for today. But as always, we want to thank you guys for listening and. Uh, just remind you that you can head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com and there you can find other episodes. You can you can find that episode we were talking about from earlier where we uh, interviewed Peyton Jones about apostolic church planting. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Um, and uh, also make sure uh, that uh, you help us spread the word about In the Trenches. We are uh, on uh, Twitter and we're on Facebook. So if you could this week uh, help us out by going and just sharing the link to this episode with your friends so that we can get this podcast into the hands of more church planners mm-hmm. uh, and more people involved in church planning so that it can be a benefit to them. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, and always uh, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or, or any comments. If there's any way, anything that we can give you guys, if you have any follow-up questions, uh, we love interacting with you. Uh, but until then, uh, we're going to be back next Monday with a uh, another episode. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. 